Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. When you, when you overcome, that's different from you being overcome. <laughs> when you come over, you didn't go under. And so that means you won. You triumphed. You weren't defeated. And that's always God's will. Always his will. The, the scripture says in First John, it, those that are born of God are overcomers. That's what you are. It's what you're made to be and do. Said out loud, class, I am, I am. Born, of God. born of God. And I am. An overcomer. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anything that comes up in your life that's a problem, you just should get ready to overcome it. Right? Get ready. Get ready to overcome it. And like we said before, every challenge is an opportunity to demonstrate our trust in God. It's an opportunity to show God. We trust Him. We believe in Him. And we listen to Him. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with, come on into the classroom, and let's receive more today. Lord, all of us, uh, watching from any and everywhere, we all join together, and we agree as touching this, asking for utterance that only you can give, asking for ears to hear that only you can give, and for the, like we've confessed, the building up of our faith and spirit by your anointed word and your, anoint, your, your anointing of your spirit. We receive it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look again, please, in Hebrews, the third chapter. Hebrews chapter 3, we've been talking about overcoming unbelief. Verse 7 of Hebrews 3 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. Uh, he said that again. He said, verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest any, there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Verse 13, Today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 15, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. So there's a definite theme here of a warning about hardening yourself, hardening your heart. And like we said in previous classes, when you realize you've made a mistake or you've come short in something, you've got a choice to make then. You'll do one of two things. You'll either humble yourself and admit it and repent. Or if you, if you don't want to do that, if you refuse to do that, then that you're hardening yourself and refusing. And res refusing to admit your mistake and resisting change, refusing to repent. That is a giant mistake because that's being haughty and proud and it's denying the truth when your own heart knows you missed it. And if you do that, 
you get resisted and you get no help. And the longer you act that way, it just gets worse and worse. And then you'll make more mistakes because you don't even have any help. And then, if you have, again, which way do I go? Well, if you harden yourself again, you get even harder and harder and harder. And that is a chief characteristic of unbelief. And that's why he calls it evil earlier in the text here. Evil heart of unbelief. It's a... Uh, unpersuadable, won't be convinced, won't listen, won't repent, won't change. And he warns us through here in 1 Corinthians 10 and other places in the New Testament, don't be like that. Don't. Why? Because it'll rob you. It'll rob you. It'll keep you out of the plan of God. It'll rob you of the good things and blessings God wants you to have. It can even rob people of heaven. Unbelief. So that's why we're spending so much time on it, talking about it. And really to understand faith, you need to understand this other side too, because this is the opposite of faith. And in learning about what unbelief is, you're learning about what faith is not. You're learning more about faith too. So go back to Numbers, if you would, the 16th chapter. And what we see is even when they were in Egypt, God sent Moses and Aaron to to lead the people out. They were argumentative. And, um, you know, Moses told them, God sent me. And he he had to, he even told the Lord at the bush, he said, they won't believe me (laughs) if I go and tell them. And so the Lord gave him two signs. You remember that? Two amazing signs. Uh, Not natural signs. And so he did demonstrated those things. And so they believed that something was going on, that he had a, uh, an experience. But even then, when their deliverance didn't happen immediately, they said, you should have left us alone. Now you got us in a jam. Pharaoh's mad at us. He won't give us any straw. And, and so it was contentious from the beginning. And they never got past that. regardless of the miracles they saw, all these signs and wonders, and then at the Red Sea. uh, Again, let me me say that phrase again. Every challenge is what? An opportunity. Is that right? An opportunity. So after all they've seen in Egypt, they they get to the Red Sea. They can't get across it. The Pharaoh and his army is closing in on them. This is the proverbial between a rock and a hard place. They, they, but what is this? Help me out. It's an opportunity. Is that right? It's an opp- what, what does God want to see them do? He doesn't expect them to know all the answers. No, he, he, he knows they don't know. He's just looking for some trust. Right? For some confidence in him. For somebody to look up and say, Lord, I believe you. If you say we can do it, we can do it. He got that in Caleb and Joshua. Is that right? But it was two out of two million. How many know the majority is not always right? It's rarely right. How many times has the majority been right? No, God's right. God's right. And so... They kept on arguing. They kept on uh, disobeying. If he said, uh, 
don't save the manna. They saved it. If he said, don't go out and gather it, they went out to gather it. That kind of thing just kept on, kept on. And there's no excuse for that. Because it's not like they didn't know better. There's forgiveness for it. But there's no excuse for it. And at some point, you should realize, like we said, you should realize, I've messed up. I've got to quit this. I've got to quit being like this. God's never lied to me. He's never failed us. He's, everything he has said has been right. Everything he said he would do, he has done. Why would I question him? Why would I doubt him? But they never got to that place of repentance and faith. And so after 10 times of that, the Lord was really put out with them. And he said, how long will it be? Numbers 14. How long will it be before they trust me? And then he told them, he said, okay, you keep saying you're going to die in the wilderness. So that's what's going to happen. They got what they said. And so this uh, number 16 now is after that. It's immediately after what has happened at Kadesh Barnea, recorded in chapter 14. And things are going from bad to worse. They didn't learn a thing. Korah, Dathan, Abiram, uh, they took men and they rose up before Moses and with 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and they said, you take too much on you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord's among them. Why then do you lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? Did they lift up themselves above the congregation of the Lord? Did they do it? No, they did not. God put them there. Is that right? Moses did not exalt himself to that position. In fact, God had to get straight with him. Remember on the backside of the desert at the burning bush? He didn't want to go. He, he, said, he said, Lord, you need to send somebody else. Because, you know, I'm not a good speaker. And, and I'm a wanted man over there. And, and, and God had to say, no, I made your mouth. I'll send your brother with you. You're out of excuses. Is that right? You're going. And to Moses' credit, he went. He obeyed. And now, these people, uh, and this is a, a, a concerted, big movement in the people. 250 famous individuals, leaders throughout the community are in this, led by Korah. And these are the Levites. This is the ministry of helps. This is a full-blown rebellion. We are going to get rid of Moses and Aaron. And we're going to replace them. And they, what they're saying, though, is not, I want to be in charge, which was really what was going on. They're saying, all the people are holy. We're all holy. God talks to all of us. Uh, why do you think you're in charge? Now, if you skip down later in the passage, verse 12, it said, Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram. Now you can see looking, if you look at the rest of the story, he's trying, this is, this is really a last, last ditch effort to save them. Because if they keep their wagons hitched to Korah, 
they're not going to make it through another two days on earth. They don't know it, but their life's almost over. And he, so Moses calls for them. Now, in previous sessions, we, we saw in chapter 12 how that um, Miriam and Aaron, Moses' brother and sister, they said a similar thing. They said, God speaks through us. And they took Moses to task about who he had married. And man, they got in trouble with God. God called them out to the tabernacle and he rebuked them and reproved them. He said, he said do you not know that Moses talks with me face to face? Why weren't you afraid to talk about him like that or speak against? And, and everybody heard about that and knew about that. And yet here they are, the whole bunch doing it again. What you'll find is that unbelief and defiance makes you spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. It's a, um, the, the scripture said in one place, the, the pride of your heart has uh, blinded you. Your pride has blinded you. Listen to this over in Ezekiel 12 too. Let me, let me back up a little bit more. We're going to see as time goes on, or if you have time to finish it today, but he told them to put uh, incense on censers and go offer it, you know, and that God would show who he had picked. Now, you don't have to be thinking very straight to think, I should not do that, right? They had seen what happened to Nadab, uh, you know, Aaron's sons, when they offered strange fire before the Lord, lightning or fire, whatever, came out of the sky and disintegrated them. Now, how did they see this going? That they're going to march out there with unauthorized <laughs> incense and censers and fire, knowing they're not called to do this. They're not chosen and anointed to do this. But they're going to march out there and hold it up. And say, we're holy too. How did they see this going? See, they're blinded. They're absolutely blinded that they're walking right into destruction. They're walking right into decimation. Listen to Ezekiel 12 too. He said, son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and what? See not. See, this is quoted in the New Testament more than once, isn't it? And they have ears to hear and what? Hear not. But see, here he tells you why. They have eyes to see, but they don't see. They have ears to hear, but they don't hear. Why? For they are a rebellious house. Rebellion makes you absolutely spiritually blind to what you should see. Rebellion against God and against his people and his things, it makes you spiritually deaf where you're not hearing what is absolutely obvious. You're not seeing what is absolutely apparent. There's no way any thinking person who has seen what has happened leading up to this is going to go get you a censor and holy incense that you're not even supposed to touch. You're not even supposed to be around it. But you're going to go get it. 
And you're going to go prance out there before Moses and Aaron in front of everybody in the tabernacle and you're going to wave it around. How many understand? That's asking for it. Is that right? That's, that's, but why did they not see this? Why did they not see this? You reckon it's true today that rebellion makes you blind? Huh? Rebelling against God makes you absolutely deaf spiritually. You got eyes, but you can't see. You got ears, but you can't hear. He said, for they are a rebellious house. Go back to, to number 16 and look. He called Dathan and Abiram because they had linked up with, with Korah in this rebellion. Verse 12, he sent to call them, the, the sons of Eliab, and they said, we will not come up. They wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for Moses. And I mean dozens of times they would have perished. Whether you're talking about the Red Sea or Marah, the waters of Marah, or they had no food to eat, they had no water to drink. I mean, the list goes on and on. And how many times through their rebellion that Moses fell on his face and asked God to spare them so that they wouldn't be destroyed and pled their case and interceded. When somebody like that, that has saved you multiple times, that has led you out of something that your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents could never get out of. Huh? Somebody like that says, come see me, come talk to me. And, and you say, no. No, we're not. And they went on. They said, is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of a land that flows with milk and honey? Hold on now, hold on now. They're calling Egypt the land that flows with milk and honey. <laughs> you brought us up out of the land that flows with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except you're going to make yourself altogether a prince over us. You think you're, you're prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land that flows with milk and honey. Stop, stop right there. Why are they not in the land that flows with milk and honey? Help me out, class. Why? Their own absolute refusal to believe. Not Moses. He's been trying to help them every step of the way. They won't listen to him. And yet, they take no responsibility for their current circumstance. And they're blaming Moses and Aaron totally. And of course, they're blaming God who sent Moses and Aaron because they're still in the wilderness. They still don't have what they want, what they desire. You'll humble yourself and repent, or you'll harden yourself and resist. And the proverb says, if you, every time that you've been corrected, if you keep hardening yourself and stiffening your neck every time, it says you'll be destroyed suddenly, and that without a remedy. And that's exactly what we're about to see in this passage. Before this chapter is out, Dathan and Abiram are gone. They were destroyed suddenly with Korah and all the rest of them. But can you see, is God righteous? Is he right about everything? He sees, says, does, thinks, responds. He is fed up with this bunch. 
isn't he? Does he have a right to be? He has every right to be. Say it out loud. God is righteous. Absolutely right. Every time. And so he, he's, he was angry with this people at Kadesh Barnea and was ready to just stop fooling with them then. But Moses interceded, pled their case, asked for mercy. Now, this is coming up again. They're saying, you have not brought us into the land that flows with milk and honey. You've not given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. You hadn't done what you said you would do. Well, he, did, he never said he was going to do it. Moses never claimed to be God or the Savior or the Redeemer. Can you see how defiant, unbelieving people twist stuff? Can you see that? How they let the enemy twist. Why? Because having eyes that see, they, they still don't see. Ears that hear, but they don't hear. He said, because you're rebellious. And they're saying, we had it made over in Egypt. That was the land that was flowed with milk and honey. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's bondage. Slavery. Have you forgot so quick? And you didn't bring us into the promised land. You didn't give us the inheritance and, and all those things. The fields and, and vineyards. You didn't do it. You didn't do it. Not true. God would already have you in there. Right? right. If you'd listen. If you'd have just dared to obey him. But you wouldn't listen to him. Now, I know I'm kind of being repetitious here, but there are many people in the world that are bitter, 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 and they blame God, they blame churches, they blame preachers, they blame other people, anybody except themselves. They won't take any responsibility for their own foolishness and for their own hard-headedness, stubbornness, unteachableness, refuse to be persuaded, unteachable. And so they said, we will not come up. Oh, friend, this, this was the death nail. They just nailed their coffin shut. Because even, can you see how gracious Moses is? Why? He's a man of God. He's a real man of God. And the Bible said, we just read in chapter 12, meekest man on the planet. This wasn't his idea. In fact, that phrase is in this chapter. We're going to see it. He, he, at one point he said, this was not my idea. <laughs> and he said, you're going to see. You're going to see that it wasn't my idea. And um, he did not call himself. He didn't send himself. He is really hearing from God and just telling them what God is saying. But they hate him for it. That's not the last time that happened. Do you know historically people have rejected the ones God has sent to them? The prophets that he sent, they have rejected them, killed them, stoned them, martyred them. Jesus himself, when he came, what happened? He came into his own. What they say? Remember, he told the parable that they said, "We will not have this man to rule over us. We won't have it." There's even many today that say, "No, he's not the Messiah. No, we don't accept him. We don't want him." If you don't change, you have sealed your fate. No, 
He is the Messiah. He is the Savior, the Redeemer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We ought to be thankful. We ought to be so thankful and so respectful. And can you see Moses trying to save these men? He said, come talk to me. I mean, the head of the, the nation, the, the God's spokesman who goes up on the mount and stays in the glory for 40 days <laughs> has said, you men come see me. Come talk to me. They said, we will not. We will not. You haven't done anything for us. You haven't done what you said. We won't do it. Why am I talking about this? This is unbelief. It is ugly. Isn't it? It, Can you see why Hebrews calls it evil? This is ugly. It's not innocent. Well, I'd like to believe, but I just don't know how. No, uh uh-uh. No, 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 no. This is unthankful, disrespectful, defiant, going to take over, going to get rid of God's plan and God's people and do your own thing. Does this sound like the devil? This has the devil's signature all over it. Defying God, rebelling against God, taking over, controlling, kicking out God's choice and people. Somebody say, not me. I will be no part of the devil's rebellion. Say it out loud. Everybody say, Lord, I respect you. I honor you. I respect your choice, your leaders, your people, your spirit, your words. I will honor you. I will follow you all my days. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, our time's up again, but I believe we're growing and we're getting insulated and protected from this evil stuff. Can you say amen? Well, come back next time. We'll see you here in Faith School. I've sure enjoyed being with you again this week. I believe we're making progress. I always like the end of the week to speak over our partners. I Uh, Many of you are partners with us in faith and even in sowing and so appreciate it. Did you notice that uh, we talked about this bitterness and, uh, you know, there's occasion where one time God said he was going to do amazing thing financially and materially. And one guy said, if God opened the windows of heaven, how could that be? And the other man said, well, it's going to happen and you'll see it, but you won't enjoy it. It won't be a part. You won't be a part. You can't be bitter and be a partaker. So you want to get rid of all bitterness and all the anger and junk because that'll just keep you from receiving. Let me pray with you. Father God, I forgive everyone. Say it after me. I forgive everyone who's done anything against me. I refuse to hold any bitterness in my heart. I forgive them because you have forgiven me. And I refuse to be bitter and negative I will rejoice. You have a good plan for me. And I release faith. Lord, I speak over all our partners and over those that will join with us. Let increase come into their lives. Let joy and peace break forth. And let abundance of resources flow into their hands 
in Jesus' name. Amen, so be it. I'm expecting it with you. Well, come back next time. We'll grow more in faith. We'll see you soon back here at Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.